Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New England Patriots. This is the Patriots Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Patriots Wire editor, Henry McKenna. It was pretty frustrating to wake up Sunday morning only to find out the Patriots weren't going to have a game after all against the Broncos. That ends up being the Patriots' bye week in week five. They're going to play the Broncos this Sunday. So just more scheduled changes to deal with, right, Henry? It's a, it's a little frustrating at this point, I think, for reporters, for fans, for everyone trying to follow the path right now. Yeah, and we were talking about this last week. It just seemed unrealistic for the Patriots to play. Certainly they could have, but they would have been unprepared. And then when that test came up positive, the NFL and the Patriots did the right thing, which was moving the game so that the Patriots can get this this outbreak under control and, and get everyone and their families safe. There were some reports all over the place, Henry, that the Patriots were, I don't want to call it a boycott, but there was some talk of a revolt if the NFL was going to push them to play this game on Monday against the Broncos. What were you hearing, and do you think that was legit? Like, Do you think the Pats would have threatened not to play based on the players' feelings about their health and safety if the NFL kept that game on the schedule at Monday at 5 p.m.? Yeah, I saw basically Tom Curran from NBC Sports Boston suggested that that might have been in play. I don't know how much power the Patriots had in that situation. I do think that they would have been wise to use whatever leverage they had to not play the game because, I mean, lives are at stake here. Players agreed to opt into a season, but but they were sort of given the promise that this would be as safe as possible and i think we're seeing the nfl really flirt with some dangerous situations we saw them basically embrace a a dangerous situation in week four when they asked the patriots to fly and i think that that really rubbed a lot of players the wrong way jason mccourty for example sounded off on the nfl and the nfl pa asserting that they don't really care about the the players right now that they really just care about making money and and i think the track record goes well beyond the pandemic in proving that to be true so at least the nfl was 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 sort of trying to have that game happen even though it had a one positive test and um, the patriots were, were probably smart to step back you know we should really be adding two weeks onto the schedule at the end of the year so that teams don't have to rush into games so the teams get time to honor the incubation period of the virus so that these spreads don't end up derailing you know the season in a more significant way what was really interesting i thought was that okay the patriots players are pissed that they were going to have to play on monday night and I, you know i'm like you when i hear mccordy talk or any of the mccordy twins talk i listen i think they're really smart guys so when they talk i kind of listen and i'm like okay this is real they're not they're not bsing here they're they're telling it like it is that's kind of how they are but it was interesting to see the broncos like not happy the game was getting moved but the patriots happy you know what i mean like there's that back and forth and i guess on one hand i can't blame the broncos if they're pissed because now there's like a really good chance they're gonna see cam newton and, and stefan gill more this week when they probably wouldn't have last week right so i guess you could say the broncos waking up sunday when they were supposed to travel to foxborough to learn they're not playing after practicing all week and preparing all week and now that's their bye week i can i guess they're justified i'm not going to get on here and give them crap for being pissed because they they did kind of get jobbed in this situation a little bit i think definitely patriots actually only had one practice one session of meetings it was all outdoors so you know hopefully 
that really helped them limit the spread of the virus. And, you know, they were all working hard on a game plan all week, but they weren't practicing. So in a sense, it's actually even better on their bodies than a bye, even if mentally it might have been taxing to do, you know, the normal game plan grind. The Broncos were not like that at all. The Broncos had all their practices. They were they were on that sort of normal weekly schedule. So there, there's an element of fatigue that could wear on them. You know, bye weeks are important for players to get healthy and for players to get a second to take a breath, look back, look forward on the season and, and look nowhere but away from football for a second, too. So, so yeah, I think the, the Broncos absolutely um, have reason to be frustrated. Uh, unfortunately, it's just the, the world we live in now. I mean, we, we all have to adapt. And the fact that the Broncos, their bye week is uh, is not what they wanted it to be. I mean, it's kind of like, okay, we'll deal with it right now. They're they're really not a good team, and I don't think they're going to be in play for the playoffs. So um, ultimately, it, you know, they've got a tiny little fiddle that they're playing, yeah. and, and no one's there to listen. Yeah, they got a better shot at drafting Justin Fields than they do at making the playoffs, I think, you know, yeah, like being up there exactly. in the draft. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, that's enough COVID talk. Henry and I are both sick of talking about COVID-19. We just, we just are. So there's plenty going on around the league that outside of the virus, and I want to get Henry's take on it. We're going to call this segment Five Questions with Henry McKenna. We'll do that coming up. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about fantasy football strong plays for Week 6. Miami Dolphins quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick has staved off Tua Tonga-Vailoa for now. Two quarterbacks have posted at least 32 fantasy points in five games against the Jets. And the other three quarterbacks, Jimmy Garoppolo, Phillip Rivers, Brett Rippon. Not exactly elite company. If wide receiver Preston Williams continues to come to life like we saw signs of last week, Fitz could be in for a huge fantasy day. Arizona Cardinals running back Chase Edmonds, not Kenyon Drake, has been the more productive back this year in PPR scoring. Drake may have scored on the ground last week, but he has struggled to generate yardage per touch, and he's living off an extremely small sample size of productive play from last season. Not only has Edmonds been more productive on the ground, he's simply more useful in the passing game. Look for him to exploit a weak Dallas defense. Cincinnati Bengals rookie receiver T. Higgins should see an uptick in his work if A.J. Green's hamstring prevents him from playing. Look for the rookie to continue his nice rapport with quarterback Joe Burrow. The Indianapolis defense may appear to be a poor matchup on the surface, but a closer examination reveals six different receivers have scored a touchdown, and eight players at the position have gone for at least 10 PPR points. Higgins offers major upside in the red zone. If you're looking to take a gamble at tight end with four teams on their buys, the Atlanta Falcons present a brilliant matchup for Kyle Rudolph of the Minnesota Vikings. It was actually tight end Herb Smith Jr. and not Rudolph who led the way last week, but the veteran tight end is a better bet for a touchdown in the red zone. No team has given up more touchdowns to the tight end position through five weeks than the Atlanta defense. For more fantasy football news and advice, make sure to check out thehuddle.com. Henry, the Pats have an abundance of cap space right now thanks to the various COVID opt-outs and the fact that they're barely paying any money to the quarterback position, right? So if the 2021 hypothetical free agent draft class includes a healed-up Dak Prescott, assuming he could somehow get away from the Cowboys and they don't franchise tag him again, if that class includes Dak, a rejuvenated Cam Newton coming off his first year here with the Patriots, and a spurned Jimmy Garoppolo, Kyle Shanahan getting rid of Garoppolo, getting getting him out of town. What 
What would you do if you were the Patriots GM? Now, this isn't necessarily what Belichick would do. What would you do if you were the Patriots GM? Would you stick with Cam? Would you go for Dak? Or would you bring back Jimmy G? Wow, that's a, that is a very hard question. <laughs> I would say no to Jimmy G. Oh, you're uh, killing me, bro. I know. I think Belichick has a soft spot for Garoppolo, but I think what we're seeing in San Francisco is that, you know, he's he's been put in a position to succeed in a big way, and he's really not. So I don't know why bringing him into, back into New England would really set him up for success in a way that San Francisco hasn't. Dak's not going to be on the open market because he's going to get either franchise tagged or extended but that's why i say hypothetical (laughs) yeah but hypothetically i think you just you would want newton back for um for more time Dak wants funny money and he deserves it but if you're trying to figure out how to get Dak prescott a a like 35 to 40 million dollar deal after he's recovering from what what was basically like the gordon hayward injury for for boston fans yeah and maybe that's like me being a little too close to Boston sports and and seeing Gordon Hayward struggle so significantly to be himself again after that. But I worry that Prescott's not going to be himself. Going back to Cam is probably the best option. I think Cam's leverage in free agency is is not going to be sort of as great as I think everyone thinks. If people didn't love Cam coming out this year, you know, I don't know that a season with the Patriots is going to make him that much more desirable. You know, maybe 20 million, maybe 30 million, somewhere in that range is where he's going to land. And I think the Patriots have the money to pay him for like three years or four years at that price with some sort of like opt-out trapdoor clauses so that if he does indeed look physically declined, like sort of everybody worried, then they can probably bail. And then to, to max it all out, the fact that the, the salary cap's probably going to drop yeah. all the way down to $175 million, right. teams are just not going to have the money to spend big on a quarterback like Newton, who is a significant risk still because he's getting you know older as such a big you know physical runner. If the Patriots keep using him this much as a runner, then that only you know will make GMs more worrisome. So this is a very long answer to say that I think Cam Newton is probably the nicest balance of production versus cost. Okay, we all know that Bill Belichick sending kissy face uh, text messages to Garoppolo saying, come home, Jimmy, come home. No, no. I, 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 I can see it. Come home, Jimmy. Come on home. Come on home. All right. All right. We're going to move on. All right. We're going to move on. Question two. What did we learn from Tuesday night, Henry? Bill's Titans. What did we learn about Buffalo's chance of taking over the AFC East this year like they were claiming they were ready to do? It's still it's still in play. There's no doubt. They, they, they're still 4-1. and one. Uh, And I think we learned a lot about the Titans who who looked absolutely nasty coming off of a really difficult situation with COVID. Now it was a self-inflicted situation, it seems like. Um, Now, COVID is a tough disease. The whole nation's dealing with it. But the Titans broke protocol. They were meeting behind the back of the NFL. They were breaking rules, basically, to prevent the spread. They were encouraging it. And so that's why I say, you know, it was a self-inflicted problem. I think the Bills are still a good team. Just it does, you know, the the Titans beat the Patriots last year in the playoffs. We saw, you know, how dangerous they can be, and they're really firing on all cylinders this year. So I think it's a big testament to how good Tennessee is. I think the Patriots are still going to have a hard time bettering the Bills, but the AFC East schedule is so difficult that it stands 
to reason that the Patriots actually can make up ground fairly quickly because I think there are going to be a lot of losses coming for AFC's teams. So New England's already faced two really tough teams, Chiefs and, and Seahawks. Maybe the Raiders are a tough team. I don't really know. Um, but hard to tell the, yeah, hard to tell, you know, the bills have the Seahawks. The bills have obviously two games against the Patriots. The bills have a game against the Steelers. Um, maybe the Cardinals, um, could prove formidable against the bills. They're kind of like a week to week team. You just don't know. And then obviously the bills play the chiefs next week. So there is ground for the Patriots to make up. We'll kind of see how that works out. Question three. Looks like Belichick might have went a year early when he drafted Nikhil Harry in the first round, Henry, because 2020 looking like a loaded wide receiver rookie draft class, right? With Justin Jefferson over in Minnesota. C.D. Lamb looks like a superstar in Dallas. You got Jerry Judy in Denver, T. Higgins and Cincy, Henry Ruggs and with the Raiders all over the place, right? If you were Belichick and you had a chance to do, do it over and redraft one of these guys in the first round which one do you think you'd want and why yeah there's no doubt that Nikhil Harry was sort of the wrong selection DK Metcalf um, Bill DK Metcalf oh my god he's a beast yeah Metcalf McLaurin basically you know the player that they probably want the most of all of them is maybe Jerry Judy maybe CD Lamb um, but those guys realistically wouldn't be in play at wherever the Patriots have been picking the last two years Justin Jefferson the guy that they probably wish they could have yeah Basically, like every rookie that went in the first round. <laughs> every every uh, single one of those players would, would just look great on this team right now. Yeah, except for maybe Jalen Rager uh, in Philly. So, I mean, yeah, I think that they, they, they kind of blew it considering the amount of talent that came out of the 2019 draft. And then their mentality, Bill Belichick said, going into the 2020 draft was that they weren't going to invest more draft picks into the receiver crop because they gave a first round in 2019 to Nikhil and then they invested a 2020 second round pick in Mohamed Sanu and we obviously know how that went he is unemployed right now you know I think they just they they whiffed right now they're I would say they're at two strikes but they're at far more strikes than that two more questions with Henry McKenna coming up we'll be right back it's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast, and I'm joined by my colleague Jeff Clark. Here's what you need to know to bet on the Week 6 Sunday night football game between the Los Angeles Rams and San Francisco 49ers. The Rams, minus 3.5 favorites on the road. 49ers, plus 160 underdogs on the money line. A low over-under for this one of 50.5 points. Jeff, how do you feel about this game? Oh, I'm going with the home team in prime time. San Francisco needs this game like blood to keep pace in a tough NFC West. They're obviously very familiar with the Los Angeles Rams. And three in the hook is just too many points for the home dog. You know what? I'm going to fade the team that just lost 43-17 to the Miami Dolphins in week five. Give me those LA Rams coming off a big 30-10 win against the Washington and football team. Check out sportsbookwire.com for more with all odds from BetMGM Sportsbook. Subscribe to BetSlip and Podcast. Be sure to rate and review. Tom Brady 
Did he really forget how many downs there were on a potential game-winning drive on Thursday night? I don't know what Tampa Bay has done to my favorite quarterback. Uh, based on all those stupid penalties and the plays we saw the Bucks make uh, to lose that game, it, it seems like the Tampa Tom experiment, it might not work this season. I think you look at their schedule, they're kind of a fringe playoff team. I mean, what do you think that, of the chances that Tampa Tom could kind of blow up and they don't even make the playoffs this year how how what would you give like scale of one to ten on that i'd give you a percentage i'd say there's like a 20 percent chance 25 percent chance they miss the playoffs okay maybe so, that's so, maybe, so you maybe, still like them you still like them i do a lot actually i think they're a really good team i'm stunned obviously as as is the rest of the nfl that brady forgot what down it was and he definitely did um oh, yeah. oh, sort yeah, of like yeah the casual element of that play of like just kind of chucking it for a chunk gainer and it falling incomplete and brady being like all right now here's the real down like that was clearly what happened and uh, it's wild that brady had a lack of situational awareness like Crazy. just absolutely so opposite of what you know about the guy but yeah it's what happened and um i think that kind of points toward not necessarily that it was a fluky loss because you know one down separating two teams in, a, in one like mental error is is often how NFL games get decided. The Bucks also but, commit millions of stupid penalties, though, Henry, and they can't like get that fundamental flaw out of their system, even when Tom goes there. It is bad, yeah. I mean, I think Bruce Arians, like, there's... I think as people who consume so much Patriots football, it's surprising to see Tom Brady on a team that shoots itself in the foot so often because yeah. Brady's such, like, an efficient, well-oiled player. But even so, I think... We're going to see them be fine. Brady's physical status is not declining, contrary to what people might think when they see those sort of out routes getting pick sixed. That route in itself is clearly a problem for me for him this year. The analytics show yeah, that. Time to eliminate that one. Yeah, but everything else is looking okay, and he's throwing good end zone balls. He's he's not really turning over the ball since that week one game against the Saints. So I, I think they're going to be fine. The defense needs to continue to improve and sort of support him, support Brady. But, you know, that Chicago team doesn't make any sense to me, and so I, I refuse to count them. A loss against them and even them being good. Uh, at the same time, which which also doesn't make any sense. Maybe but. maybe a fraudulent four and one, but we'll see. We'll see. Okay, last one in the Sunday night game, Henry. I don't know if you stayed up for it, but Mike Zimmer made the play call of all play calls, and I'll set the stage really quick. Uh, it's fourth and one from the Seattle six. With uh, the the Vikings are up by five with two minutes left, so they have a chance to kick this really chippy field goal and go up by eight points, force Russell Wilson to have to go all the way down the field, score a touchdown and a two point conversion just to force overtime, or they could try to go for it on fourth or one and just win the game right there. We all know what happens, right? The Vikings go for it, Seattle stuffs them, Russell Wilson gets the ball, and he goes all the way down the field and scores. So, did you think in real time that Mike Zimmer was being an idiot when he went for it on fourth and one? No. And, like, it kind of reminded me, even though it was a pretty different situation, of when Belichick went for it on fourth and two against the Colts, where, like, <laughs> yeah, similar. I guess so. Yeah, similar. It's it's a little different because Belichick didn't have the points in that situation. It, it was more like the field position was so bad for New England that, that, that it would, like, it was mind-bending that they would want to go for it there. And the flip side for Minneapolis was that the, the field position was so good that why wouldn't they just take the field goal? The Vikings are, are a run-heavy team. They, they pride themselves on power. And the fact that they thought they could get those yards, in my mind, was like, yeah, no-brainer. Like, they can get them. 
they should get them if they execute this play properly. And there's no need to overthink it. Just run, run the ball, get the get the first down, and and walk away with the win. To expect Russell Wilson to lead a drive on such short time and in such impressive fashion i mean we should expect it at this point but that was a long drive for him to to uh engineer and and the degree of difficulty was high enough that i think justifies what zimmer did so analytics nerds will say that it was the right call but the wrong outcome and uh, I'm kind of with him there. All right. I, I like it. Somebody's in Zimmer's corner. I'm not. I think he's an idiot. I would have kicked that field goal. But, hey, I like that somebody's <laughs> got uh, Zimmer's back because I've asked that question to a few of the Wire editors. And and uh, you're the first one on Zimmer's side. That's good. So, Mike Zimmer, you get a friend in Henry McKenna. So, all right, cool. That was fun. Five questions with Henry. We'll have to do that again. We'll have to bring that segment back for sure. I need some Patriots football. I need some Cam Newton in my life. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Have a good week. We will talk to you next week on the Patriots Wire podcast. Goodbye. This USA Today sports podcast has been presented by USA Today's sports media group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini and the Huddle podcast inside the weekly line with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren and the Bet Slippin' podcast. We'll see you again next week.